Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week One. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season. Receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited time offer now by heading to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and checking out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same-game parlays. And if you live in a non-sportsbook state, not to worry, because DraftKings is home to daily fantasy sports. Just draft your lineup and enter for a chance to win weekly cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. That's 1-800-9-WITH-IT. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 71, as our crown jewel, the king himself, has officially retired from the NHL. Such a sad, sad day, Andy, but it's a day that I don't know why I feel so sad since I kind of saw the writing on the wall over the past few months with just his overall health and, and you know his inability to play with the Washington Capitals and you know, we kind of saw this coming, but, it, you know, once it was made official, that's when it really kind of hit you. So how do you feel, Andy? Man, it's a mixture of emotions for sure. I mean, it's, I don't think even bittersweet is the word, because obviously there's a lot of bitterness, at least in my heart, with the fact he wasn't able to win the big one before retiring. But at the same time, he had a career that, there, you know, some players can only dream about, and he's done so much for the New York Rangers as an organization. Uh, is considering where they were at when he came in and joined that team, and yeah, I mean, it's just when you think of the New York Rangers sweater, he's one of the first, if not the first, players you think of. 
And it's it's kind of surreal. And like you said, I think we you could kind of just tell the way not hearing too much. And you heard about his setbacks along the way of trying to get healthy again and tests, more tests and inflammation with the heart. And ultimately, I think that's what ended up happening is that there's just there's still a lot of inflammation. And by the time it it would take for him to get to a a reasonable level, he would already be near 41 years old. And I think it was just like he said, it, it just came down to talk to his family and the risk. Uh, it just, yeah, it didn't outweigh the reward at some point. And like you said, I think it was one of those things where um, if we both know the type of competitor that Henrik is, it's just one of those things at a certain point, it's like, may, you know, maybe it, would, it was going to take a lot for him to be able to do this at 40 years old, but just push, you know, getting into his 40s as a goaltender, it's just, yeah, it's so hard. So I just, you know, it's, it's sad, but it's also happy. And like I said, it's a lot, it's a lot of emotions for me anyway. It's just, and I'm sure for him too, it's, it's such a mixture, but it's weird because it's like you get flooded with all the great memories, but you also kind of also get hit with that feeling of a what if or man. So it's a lot, but I think uh, it's kind of fitting considering, you know, his impact on the Rangers organization is that he's such an in, integral part of it for the last uh, you know all, all, damn near two decades you know for 15 years and and uh yeah that can't be stated enough so mixed mixed emotions on my end definitely yeah absolutely and and it's so weird too because you know with the new york rangers for so long especially during our younger years right as as when we were first starting to become real fans of the new york rangers it wasn't in our DNA to have these homegrown players come in, you know, all-stars, you know, come up through the system. And, you know, Lundqvist kind of even transcended that in a way because the moment he stepped on the ice to become a New York Ranger, he was an instant star. And, you know, Andy, I got to ask you, is there another player that the Rangers have drafted that became that big of a star that quickly? Like it's it's pretty unbelievable. Like it's it's maybe Brian Leach and then Henrik. Like there there are not many players that became an instant impact all star right away. Then you know, yeah. especially at a for a goaltender. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You, I, I think you'd probably have to go back to you know maybe <laughs> like a younger uh, Rod Gilbert or players of of that era before. Because like you said, literally in the 20 years prior to that, it's like even the Rangers might have rookies come in and and impress, but never they were never at that level for long or maintain the heights. But just to come in and be almost be like the cornerstone of the team immediately. No, like you said, it may be Brian Leach and obviously at least two to three years into his career, all of a sudden Mark Messier steps on the team and Mike Richter was there by that point. So to, for the Rangers uh, and for context, I mean, to to flash back to Lundqvist breaking the league in the mid 2000s, I mean, the Rangers were at that, with, they were, it's amazing the state he left this organization in when he left, considering they were literally coming off of a, 10-year span of just missing the playoffs, a disarray in the the fallout of that team that won the Cup in in 94, and that just, they were kind of left with aging, aging star players that were starting to slow down, and the game was passing them by, and 
they also were kind of there was a failed rebuild in, in trying to ship those players out. And, you know, I mean, they had a little bit of juice in the tank when when Gretzky joined them, uh, especially, you know, in that they had a little bit of run in the playoffs. Um, but it was kind of short lived. And yeah, it, like I said, it was just kind of 10 years of almost darkness and not much going on. But, you know, the second he he joined this team and, and usurped Kevin Weeks as a backup. Uh, yeah, he almost he became the man pretty much literally overnight and he just never gave it up and it wasn't it wasn't slow it wasn't a slow like thing it was just because the Rangers were so much disarray I think they were just waiting for someone to use you know supplant themselves so it wasn't like there had to be like oh well oh we have to feel this out I think it was just he was the light in the darkness and it was just him and then literally fast forward a decade you know um and in 2015 and he's he's a superstar and a legend in his own right already for what he had done in his first 10 years in the league. Uh, the Rangers are seen as, you know, they had re- reclaimed some of their classes in the original six organization. They were perennially in the, at least in the mix of making the playoffs and competing for a Stanley cup. And even though they, they fell short, but, and that was because of him. Cause I mean, if you look at the personnel that was around him during those years, it wasn't, the names were less than inspiring at times, but he was there and by you know, in so facto, like he was there and they were in the mix because that's how how amazingly good he was, you know, especially in his first 10 years in the league. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's one of the records that, you know, Hank kind of held was, you know, the 30 wins to start his career. And if you look at it and you go down the line, 05, 06, he hit the 30 win mark and he did that 06, 07, 07, 08, 08, 09, uh, 9, 10, 10, 11. 11, 12, and then 12, 13, he hit the 24 win mark. And then right back to 33, 30 wins, 35 wins, all the way up to 16, 17 with 31 wins. And, you know, and it's just like the guy was a machine. He was just Mr. Consistent. And, you know, it's funny looking back at his career. I used to always like rag on the fact that he would always have these slow starts to the season, especially towards the, you know, the end of of his career end of his career i don't know why that was so difficult to say and you know everyone was like oh you know lundquist is in himself he kind of lost his step and then like during the guts of the season he would just be fantastic he would be lights out and he'd carry this team once again and you know for him to be able to do what he did for 15 years is pretty incredible it wasn't like he had a system in front of him like martin brodor where he only faced the minimal shots a game he had a shutdown defense, one of the best, you know, shutdown defenses, you know, we've seen pretty much change the game uh, in front of Martin Brodor. And then, you know, if you look at Lundqvist's career, it was the total opposite. The guy got 50 shots a game. He was always standing on his head. Uh, you know, he won us games. And, you know, just looking at everything that he was able to accomplish with the New York Rangers, shy of winning a Stanley Cup is pretty remarkable considering the talent that, you know, we had in front of him or we put in front of him and because it wasn't spectacular and he he made the rangers a much better team than what what they were he masked so many deficiencies that we had and you know i was just like looking back over the the years in the playoffs and how clutch he was like he was a great goaltender during the regular season he was even better in the playoffs like how many players can you actually say we always say like 
these guys don't show up in the playoffs. Henrik Lundqvist did. And game seven, is there any more of a clutch goalie than Henrik Lundqvist? It's, it's just so remarkable what he was able to do and how far he carried us because we weren't that great, Andy. No, and you're right. And like I, like I alluded to, he did it all without a lot of help. I mean, some of his stats are equally remarkable as it is a feather in his cap as it is to like almost shake your head and like be furious that he wasn't, you know, that he had to do these things. Cause I mean, and so like, I'm just going to rattle some random accolades for Henrik Lundqvist, right? Just to, just for the context for everyone listening home. So six all time in wins, 459 wins, right? He is the only goalie in NHL history to record 30 plus wins in each of his first seven seasons. He is the fastest goalie to 400 wins in the NHL. Uh, and, and to, to like touch on his, how clutch he was in game sevens. I mean, he played eight game sevens in his career. He went six and two. He had a one point one, one goals against average. And he had a nine sixty one save percentage in, in game sevens. Like it's unbelievable. And, to even expound on that, thanks to Evolving Hockey for this, Henrik Lundqvist saved 9.97 goals above expected when the Rangers <laughs> faced being eliminated uh, versus LA in 2014. No goalie should have to do that, but literally, despite being outclassed with the team in front of them on the ice, like that's what the, you know, they still lost, but that's like, that's what he, he did. Like goalies, and I, I I saw this floating around social media. It's just that, like, I think that's the thing because everyone's like, "Oh well, you know, he only won one Vesna and this and that." I'm like, "But look at how many times he was top three or top five in Vesna votings." And you look at the person who won the Vesna. What were they do? What happened to them the next season? What happened to them the season after that? Where were they? Like, the, you know, some go really like they would say like, you know, Henrik Lundqvist would have a bad month, right? Uh, goalies would have bad seasons. He didn't have a bad season. Like you can maybe argue toward the end. He's finally started trailing off in his late thirties, but like he had like, he'd have a month where he'd like, Oh, and then he'd just be back in it and dialed again. And you would see him do that in his deep in his crease, literally hunched down as low as he could go, getting his body over pucks. And you could tell just from his body language when he was crouched as low as it seemed humanly possible. And his, like, he would just seem like laser dialed. You could just tell, and you're like, he's gonna stop everything. And he would flash the the quick kick pad, and the glove was was just kind of locked in, and it was just you knew you couldn't beat him. And and especially as a fan, just know when you would see him like that, especially because the team in front of him was giving up all these ridiculous, you know, uh, tire fire, you know, uh, fire drill type play in front of him. And but he would just make all these insane saves, and he did this routinely. His he's look at his save highlight reel and. It seems like a lot because he's played in the league a long time, but it's still it seems like an egregious number of highlight reel saves he's had to make, and he he would do it on a nightly basis. And you know, it's kind of hard to convey that to people, like because they're like, oh, well, the Rangers were already like always kind of in the mix, but they just it's kind of hard to understand that like without him, they're they weren't and they wouldn't have been. So they wouldn't have been close. We would have been exactly what we were before we got him, and that was always fighting for that last eighth playoff spot. Uh, and falling short, and you know, before Henrik Lundqvist came in and gave us like an identity, we were kind of the team that okay, the New York Rangers, what all star are they going to bring in? Who's in their you know mid thirties, looking for the last hurrah that's going to be overpaid and produce absolutely nothing, 
like the range this like Henrik Lundqvist gave the Ranger fans a breath of fresh air because now we got a bona fide all-star. He was taken in the seventh round. And it's funny, like, like everyone goes, yeah, you know, well, it's, it's a goaltender. You know, he's taken in the seventh round. Like, it, it's not like they found a center who is an all-star in the seventh round. But to put it in perspective, the Rangers took another goaltender ahead of Henrik Lundqvist the year he was drafted. And uh, the... the the scout that found him slips the name slips my mind. It's like Sarnstrom or something. But anyway, the New York Rangers scout was adamant about drafting Henrik Lundqvist. First round, second round, they're every single round he wanted the Rangers to take him. And finally, the Rangers in the seventh round, just to appease him, took him. And my God, I mean, that that's that's a career maker right there as a scout. Forget about it. You you can do no wrong. I mean, you found one of the greatest goalies of all time in the not just the Rangers history, in the NHL history. And, you know, looking back, you know, at his career as a fan, to have a seventh rounder be this good and, you know, a goalie nonetheless. And it's just so frustrating, Andy. And, I, and now I'm going to bring this part up is the lack of a Stanley Cup, because obviously this is the biggest knock on Henrik Lundqvist. It's the only knock. I mean, he would be an immortal if he won a Stanley Cup in New York. Uh, the only reason he didn't is because the team in front of him wasn't good enough. And, and you said it perfectly, and, and you can't say this enough, is that he held his end of the bargain. I mean, not only that, he did more than hold up his end of the bargain. He played lights out. He played at a, another level. He went. He took greatness and then took it up a notch in the playoffs and you know that's I think what Ranger fans will always remember is what he was able to do when it mattered the most and you know it's just frustrating and really sad that he never won a Stanley Cup but you know to say that you know he was a a New York Ranger his entire career I know he signed a contract with the Capitals but I don't think it was ever official since he never played a game um you know, it's kind of nice to, to say that, you know, he was a lifelong New York Ranger. And, you know, for what he was able to do, I don't think anyone's going to ever knock him or judge him for never winning a Stanley Cup. You know, what, what are your thoughts on, on what the Cup means to you as a fan compared to his, within his career, I should say? I mean, I've always, and again, I've always seen the Cup for what it is. It's a team accomplishment. I don't like it. <laughs> It's like, I want the New York Rangers to win a cup. Like, yes, I obviously want players to win cups on my favorite team because I have an emotional attachment to them. But my ultimate goal is I want the New York Rangers to win a cup. And if they win a cup, let's say in the next five years, I will feel... I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm happy, but I kind of wish Henrik Lundqvist won one. Or it's like, it's not as good because they didn't win it with Henrik. Like... I will still be kind of upset for Henrik that they didn't win one, but I'm not going to feel that way. But because, like I said, I, I choose to view it as what I think it is, as a team accomplishment, I don't think it makes a person's career any less legitimate. Like I think if you said to someone, would you rather be Chris Kunitz or Henrik Lundqvist, I think most of them are going to say Henrik Lundqvist, even though Chris Kunitz has, like what, four cups or something like that? Like, And, you know, there's, it's like, it's again, I, I think there is 
value in the fact that even though he, yes, he technically was going to try or was signed a contract with another team, but he never got to suit up for them. You know, he Henrik Lundqvist was loyal and he retired as a Ranger. He chose to sign on. They had to buy him out. You know, they he, they chose to sign on. And obviously, listen, it's it's one of those things that at the time, especially on this podcast, it's like I think we we kind of knew it was a difficult spot because he's wants to, you know, he kind of earned his right to be there. But it, yeah, it was kind of in the way and the specter of getting Henrik Lundqvist's cup was kind of looming on a team that was trying to do something different and retool. But that being said, you know, especially now, like with this hindsight and the smoke clearing on everything and uh, nostalgia, it's that like, I just, I think it's kind of fitting that it's, yeah, I, I think to have his career, I think it doesn't, the fact that he doesn't have a cup, like I don't, doesn't personally doesn't devalue to me. Everyone know. I think most people who are actually smart and like not just trolls online know he's a first ballot Hall of Famer instantly. We know the Rangers are going to literally retire his number this season at a game. Like, uh, yeah, it's just it's a no contest. He's like I said, sixty six all time in in wins, uh, for a goalie. You know, like you said, it's, he's got that crazy stat about you know winning when well, the the only goaltender in history to win you know thirty uh thirty plus games in his first seven seasons. Just ridiculous. Like he has every accolade you want he's got an olympic gold medal it's just he doesn't have the cup and it hurts but if you took him and you plugged him in to any of those teams you know i think if if you put, let's if you put him on the philadelphia flyers that lost the chicago blackhawks he the, the flyers might win that stanley cup right like i think there's a few number of teams cuz they actually had some elite players on the ice where the rangers always had good albeit not ultimately elite players or if they did they only had one guy and they were surrounded by a bunch of flawed rosters you know what i mean so um yeah to me it doesn't like it's sad i think he want i'm sure he wants a cup or wanted a cup but i do ultimately think when he says like listen i'm at peace with my career and i'm just grateful i think he is grateful because ultimately i think his connection, what he means to this fan base and his connection to it is ultimately the most important thing. And uh, I don't need a cup to cement, solidify what Henrik Lundqvist did for this organization or what, what he meant for me, you know? So, uh, but that again, I view it as a team thing. And if the team didn't get it done, but it's not, I can't, you can't say Henrik Lundqvist didn't get it done. That's, you know, asinine. Yeah, absolutely not. And, you know, I know we spoke about this on the podcast before, but if you look at goalies, like, you know, Bobrovsky and, and Carey Price. And, you know, they, they were elite goaltenders for sure. And no, no Stanley Cup. A lot of the elite goalies in, a, in this, you know, in this league struggle to win Stanley Cup. It's not an easy thing to do. And, and you know, you look at a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning and how great Vasilevsky is and, and everything that, that that guy's done in the NHL is, you know, it's very deserving. But, you know, if you plugged in Lundqvist, on the Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean, they're they're not skipping a beat. It's not like you know, that would be the best team. That would be like an All Star team in front of Hank. He wouldn't even know what to do with himself with that amount of talent in front of him. And you know, it, it would almost like he'd probably be bored in net, not facing fifty shots a game. So, you know, if you look around the league and you look at you know the teams that have won Stanley Cups, you, you realize like how much better those teams were put together and. You know, the Rangers had a couple of runs and you just knew it was, well, how far can Hank take them? 
That was always the storyline going into every series. Can Hank win then this series? Is Hank going to, you know, just have a, a 1.5 goals against average this playoff series so the Rangers can win 2 1 and, uh, you know, knock off whoever they were playing? And that was the narrative and that was the storyline. And it was, it was kind of sad and he got frustrated. And, you know, it's, you know, I'll admit this, you know, there was a couple times where Hank led in softies that I'm like, you have to save those because you not saving those, we don't have a chance at winning. And, you know, I, I've called them out plenty of time, times for, you know, failing to make that, you know, extra save. You know, the, the one in particular was against the Ottawa Senators. I'll never forget. He, he let in a shot from the corner. And I was just shaking my head. I go, like, that's it. Like, we're done. Like, you broke down the only asset that we really have. And Hank, you know, if he doesn't win, he can't score a goal. So it's not like he can go get that back. We're not capable of scoring goals in front of him. So it's over. And it's like, you got mad at him for literally not being perfect, even though he was right there, almost perfect. And it would have been acceptable uh, on any other, you know, team. But we all knew the Rangers were never built, you know, to really win a Stanley Cup. And uh, it was never, you know, Hank's fault. Uh, the one thing. Andy, yeah. You know, like, you, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say to your point, like, yeah, you could obviously say at times it felt like they were almost, a, you know, he was a victim of his own success. Right. That it's like he for years, he masked some deeper seated issues with the construction of the roster in front of him and why certain players were kept on to or valued maybe higher than they were because it's like oh well you know it's like if Lundqvist bailed them out it didn't really matter they were usable players but it's like uh, yeah it like you said it's like he always upheld his end of the bargain and if he wasn't perfect it's like you knew they weren't winning and you know Chris Osgood <laughs> and Grant Fuhr weren't perfect goaltenders but they were surrounded with talent and they you know had uh, won Stanley Cups and you know, you had guys like J.S. Jaguar winning the Conn Smythe in the losing effort, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, in the Stanley, in the Cup final. And, uh, you know, now Henrik Lundqvist just, despite literally doing everything in as human, humanly possible to keep his team in games, not winning one because, yeah, they just never surrounded with enough scoring talent or coaches that didn't want to play offensive hockey or maximize their strength, you know. And, uh, you know, I obviously it, it makes sense that their deepest run with him was when they got an offensive coach who kind of cheated uh, on offense a bit but he had Henrik Lundqvist in that and it kind of allowed their maybe you know just maybe not ultimately high finishing talent roster it kind of juiced some extra goals out of them and Henrik Lundqvist just held up the back end just being bombarded and uh, yeah, and they got far, or they made it to the Cup final, but that's obviously not a, a sustainable recipe, even for the one of a goalie of Henrik Lundqvist's caliber, and it just didn't work out. And then you, and obviously, you see what a system like that did for Philly this year, right? So, absolute uh, shit show. So, yeah, he, like I said, he kind of almost seems like he's a victim of his own success in a weird way. But again, you know, I, I think it's, I've definitely tried to be more don't be sad it's over you know be you know be smile because it happened type uh mindset with all this news yeah and there was um i did read something uh today actually this morning man it seems like you know last week when I, this morning um uh, that you know henrik lundquist 
has never ruled out coming back to the New York Rangers organization in some sort of, you know, ambassador role or maybe a goalie coach or, you know, just a, a figure within the organization that's going to mentor and, you know, I don't know, recruit is the right word, but, you know, kind of be there, uh, in, you know, maybe in negotiations and, and talks and, and uh, just general meetings just to get his point of view and, and his take on everything because, you know, th- there's really not many guys that have put on the New York Rangers sweater that have has seen it all, has been under the spotlight and the limelight and has taken all the criticism, all the blame, all the pressure. And, you know, Henrik Lundqvist is, is a is just a good person off the ice too. And you never heard anything bad about him. He was always a stand-up guy. Uh, all the reporters and beat writers loved him. He always gave them enough time after the game. Uh, he never uh, shied away from from a question, and and he kind of just gave his honest take on everything. And you know, you know, having him, I think, come back to the organization in a in a different role, in a leadership role. Uh, I think you know, Ranger fan, fans will embrace that. You know, whole whole hard. Like, I don't even know the expression. I was just gonna say wholeheartedly because of the H, uh, but, uh, yeah, Andy, you know, do you think he comes back? I mean, I, I just read that he's never said no when asked about that. He, uh, always seemed to be interested in that and, um, definitely has hinted that that might be something that he could see himself doing because he does love the city of New York. You know, he's going to spend time here, so he might as well, you know, make use of his time and be a part of this organization going further. Yeah, and he has, like you said, he has kind of intimated that he will remain in New York, even if he does split time between New York and Sweden, but it's in his blood now. He's, he considers himself a New Yorker. There's obviously, a, even in retirement, there are opportunities for him and a, a person of his caliber or stature or celebrity. Um, I don't, I think he almost said, like, I don't know if he, I'm going to go right back to hockey there are other opportunities out there or even just right back to the rangers but i think he thinks it could be poetic to work for them or represent them in some capacity in the future so i could definitely see that but yeah i wouldn't be surprised i mean the guy is still the we haven't even we went this whole podcast without talking about that he was legit for 15 years the like the most handsome man not only in the league but perhaps a planet (laughs) so so i mean he's still at you know at 40 years old is like an absolute you know uh man rocket so there are opportunities for him to i don't know to do some modeling and fashion and watches and all that stuff and just be international playboy where you know if there's anyone who could uh have such a nebulous job description it could definitely be him you know, in international like man. Yeah, he's like a rock star. He plays music. Plays a, that's the thing. He plays a guitar. And as we know from interviews, he apparently also has like a a, a very large uh, penis. So he's <laughs> got everything going for him. It's this fucking guy. Like it's, you know, maybe that's the cosmic cost of not winning the Stanley Cup. But uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that he will probably join the Rangers again in some capacity. But I I could honestly almost see him potentially doing, I don't know if he maybe doing some the 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 Patrick Sharp like you're real handsome so we're just gonna put you on camera thing for like NBC or if, if he does that for ESPN maybe, uh, 
you know, he could definitely look the part if they if they ever want to do. I mean, even though he's not like you know, he's a, he's a his personality is big enough even though he's not the most like animated person, but he's, you know, he's agreeable and he's like, like I said, he's uh very uh, photogenic. So if you want to do a, uh, an NHL equiv- equivalent to NBA tonight and you want him to be on the panel and laughing at some of the more outspoken personalities, I think it could definitely work in that capacity. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the next steps are for him. I definitely think he'll want to take a little step away because hockey has been his life. And his focus for like the last 15, you know, damn near 20 years. So it'll be nice for him to maybe step away for a little second. But uh, I'm sure he'll definitely, you know, you could tell his heart is with hockey. So he'll be back and I assume he will represent the Rangers in some situation. And who knows, whether that's goalie coach or advisor or player development or hell, if he has the, I don't know if he has the the desire to be, uh, you know, be in the trenches and be a, you know, trained to be a GM like Drury and Sackick and those guys that actually like put in the grunt work to, you know, at the cold rinks. I don't know if the Henrik Lindqvist doesn't really strike me as that type, you know, I think yeah, I, he doesn't nah, also strike me, but he also doesn't strike me as like the Mark Messier, like I'm just going to ask for it without doing any of the work. I don't think he would do that. I just think he'd be like, I could be like, he's like, I'm definitely qualified to be a goalie coach. Uh, I could be well, advisor. Well, he learned from the best. That's another, I was going to touch on that. I mean, you know, uh, Alaire just being one of the, the best goalie coaches in the league. That's where it's basically he was a mentor and, and, and someone who, you know, taught him the right way. Uh, you know, and I don't know, I don't know what the future holds in terms of, you know, Rangers and, and, and Alaire, but, you know, Hank could absolutely be a goalie coach without a doubt. There, there's no question. It's not like he, all this was natural. I mean, he had a great relationship and, and, uh, and it just, you know, looking at his career and his relationship with him, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, he took his training serious. He took, you know, the drill serious. He took everything, you you know, he learned from, from him and, and applied it on the ice. And that was clear. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they're going to retire his number this season and we don't know when that is yet. Um, I'm obviously hoping for just pandemic-related reasons that they push it to maybe a little bit later in the season. So at least so it feels like we're a little bit more out of the woods. But the second they they announce it's what it be is, really early or really late. I don't. Think I would rather a- it be late. I would. I would. I would rather let let it kind of settle in a little bit instead of just trying to do it right off the bat. I agree with you. I, I think agree. it's. I just think it's a smarter move. I think just let let it yeah just kind of let it build you know because obviously i understand why they want to do it immediately but i think let the anticipation build a little bit it's going to be important and like you said it's kind of still yeah it's like still kind of people are still there's trepidation and you want his fans who adore him there and you want but you also want them there with no you know asterisks or caveats or like half capacities or just like uh, ruin like that there's something potentially threatening what should be a a, a coronation you know for lack of a better term so the second they announce when that is my credit card is probably going to catch it on fire for how fast i rip it out of my wallet you know what i mean because it's just i it's something it's important it like your way because uh yeah no i'm getting two tickets trust me whoever gets them first so we read them on the other guy 
yeah, it'll no. be like, I got the tickets. It's like, oh, thank God. It's like, all right, how much do I owe you? And you'll be like, $5,000. I'm like, oh. Uh. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I'd say, all right, hold on. I just got to go sell a couple pints of blood and then I'll be back. But, uh, um, but no, I mean, like you said, I, this is something that for me, like I, I got to figure out a way to be there. And, you know, who, uh, will that happen? I don't know. But this is one of the only times where I've really felt like, you know, and you know, even with other retirements, it's like, yeah, nice. But even the '94 guys, like, you know, it's like I was conscious of it, but I wasn't. It just wasn't. I wasn't uh, farther, far enough along in my hockey fandom where it was, or at least like as a young adult, as opposed to being just a kid, where it's like, you know, you're you're, you're along, but you're not. You're you don't kind of grasp the whole living and dying with it, you know, of a full of a, the full journey, and you have the full perspective. So. Uh, yeah, especially with the drought since then and like what he meant to this organization. So yeah, uh, hope I can find a way to be there. And yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it, as much of a mixture of emotions that it feels like right now, it's just funny because you have just been spent the last few days watching the highlight reels and just shaking my head and kind of smiling. And some of them I was in attendance for and I remember and I was just literally couldn't believe it. And, and then just the Henrik chants and to be a part of that. And even later in later seasons where he would kind of, where it was clear, it was kind of his game was starting to slow off, but then every now and then he'd have an odd game where he would just kind of flash the old Lundqvist and make a ridiculous save. And, and the chance would start up again. It's like he had never lost it, but it's just, it's just remember being in those games where the Rangers were absolutely getting beat pillar to post, but he refused to let in a goal and then they would win. (laughs) You know, I just, it just kind of drug, dregs up all those feelings. So, Man, I mean, like I said, a mixture of emotions, but ultimately, I think them for me, most of them are are positive, and you know, just hats off to an amazing player in the National Hockey League and an amazing Ranger, and yeah, just an amazing goaltender. You know, he he, no matter what anyone tries to tell you, he truly is and was the king. Andy, you know that was perfect. I do want to end the podcast though. I want your favorite Henrik Lundqvist save. Oh man. Uh so it's tough. I so I was I was at the game where he versus the Canadians it on their way to the cup final where he made the he dropped the the oh stick and did the twirling blocker. Uh and it was insane. Um I also I'm trying to think of games that I cuz obviously you'll always have a little bit more fondness for being there for like crazy saves. I was at the game a, a couple of seasons ago against San Jose where it took a crazy carom and he went behind his net and he dove in and put the stick out at the last second and like deflected it into the far corner. Uh, that was a crazy save to see in person. I'm trying to think of the other ones because like I said, it, there was a lot. He shouldn't have had to make all these ridiculous saves, but God damn it, so, he did it. Um, uh, just watching as a fan, the one against Boston in like 20, was it was a 2011 or 2012. I think he, it was, I don't know if it was Krejci or it was someone from like a Bruin wide open for the side of the neck and he just robbed him with a glove and he just got over and, and just for me, you know, I'm not, obviously I'm not a goaltender, so I'm not the tech, the technical things with goaltenders i can't I, I appreciate it as much as i can but not the way a goal someone who's actually has experience with goaltending does but 
just his ability to make saves and fight through traffic and to make the first save and then track a puck through traffic and then just at the last minute just kind of like throw out a limb because he kind of saw something through a, a sea of chaos and humanity and bodies and just kind of get a, a, a like a to stretch out and get his his uh, kick pad on a, a puck at this goal mouth at the side of the net. It was just amazing. So if I have to pick one, it was definitely the tor- the, or the Montreal Canadiens twirling blocker save. And I mean, you know, they, they show it all the time. It's in his ultimate highlight reel. But uh, like I said, I, I saw a lot of them in person because he had to kind of make them. And he, but he, God damn it, he did. So that's my what about what about you? Is there one that really sticks in your mind? Yeah, and you haven't mentioned it, and I'm I'm actually happy you haven't mentioned it. And it was the 2012 outdoor game, uh, stopping Briere on the penalty. Um, Briere on the penalty shot, and I was there, going absolutely bananas because, you know, I don't know. I feel like there was a stigma with the Lundqvist's only one weakness is he wasn't that great on penalty shots and the shootout, but you know, being at that game, and you know, just the environment and and just, you know, playing the Philadelphia Flyers, who I just, I can't stand as a sports town. And it, just him making that save and, you know, leading the Rangers to that win was one of the most incredible moments, you know, certainly giving me chills thinking about it. And, you know, to be able to say that I was there and, and got to see that. And, you know, it's one of the, you know, I'm pretty sure I would imagine it's probably one of the most, you know, iconic outdoor game moment uh, there ever was, you know, maybe, you know, Crosby's obviously shoot up all the snow coming down pretty iconic, but you know, that save is, is on the highlight reels, you know, of outdoor, outdoor games. And, um, you know, that was pretty special, you know, being able to be there. Yeah. I mean, the pageantry of that whole moment, uh, <laughs> sitting on a lead in the dying minutes of the third period, uh, the game that started when the it was still light out. Now it's dark and you're under the floodlights. And like you said, Danny Briere uh, and, and has was, a reputation of being clutch yes. coming down and Lundqvist giving him absolutely nothing and just staying patient and still as Briere is making moves coming up the ice and Lundqvist just kind of bolts out to the top of the crease. He kind of lockstep with him and he just, you see, he's not moving. Like he's making adjustments, but he's not moving. And then there's that second where he's just frozen and Briere just quickly tries to go five hole and Lundqvist who like he's like was so dialed in. He was like, no, he just puts his legs together really quick and like just denies him. And then, you know, a split second later, he's like he because it played out almost like in his head before as it happened in real time first, you know, and then he just gives that pump. And obviously I was I wasn't there. but I was watching at home and hearing the Emmerich call on it is so good. So like you said, what a what that was a great moment. Uh, great save. Uh, that, you know, side note, that uh, Road to the Winter Classic that was on HBO for the Rangers yep. and Flyers is excellent with Liam Schreiber narrating it. So if, even if you're if you're a Ranger fan who hasn't seen it, you should because it, in and of itself is pretty fascinating look at a, an NHL season and what goes into it. So, uh, yeah, so that's great. So check that out. But yeah, like you, that's a great moment, James. Yeah, and just, uh, you know, look back at his his career in 15 years with the Rangers and you know, given my age and how I kind of grew up from, you know, being a youthful fan to now an adult doing a, a podcast with one of my good friends. It's just, you know, pretty wild that, you know, Hank was was there, you know, carrying the weight, you know, every game, 
uh, every season he you know he was reliable and you know we, it was just incredible looking back at everything that he was able to accomplish and again I know he doesn't have the Stanley Cup but you know he got the nickname the king for a reason and he certainly played like it you know, every single game so very thankful to have been able to watch him and kind of grow up and and finally find my you know uh my place in this rangers town and uh you know i'm just so happy that you know, you know hank was there and thank you hank all i have to say is long live the king Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.